This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. It's been very clear what God has been saying to us this morning so far. And uh, the scriptures that... um, were brought out that Liz brought, Liz Rowland and, and Mary confirmed and the exhortation from Russ and the scripture that Simon had and you know God wants us to know this morning that he's our strength. Yeah. I, think, I think I'm right in guessing that's pretty consistent. <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> Holly started with that scripture in Habakkuk. If you turn in your Bibles to Habakkuk please because you know I, what I love about what I love. One of the many things that I love about our Bible is its honesty. It's, it's like really, really an honest book. And um, it doesn't, doesn't pull any punches. It doesn't uh, try and spin any kind of uh, anything to make people look better than they are. It's, it's very open and very honest. And people who write the book that were inspired by the Holy Spirit are also very honest in their assessment of where things are at and how they're feeling in what's going on. In fact, if you read Psalms, there are probably more things written to God that are out of complaint and sadness and lament than there are joy and praise. There's even a whole book called Lamentations. And you know what? It's okay for us to cry out to God. It's okay for us to say to God, um, we're not going to do that this morning. Sorry, yeah, I had stuff prepared, but I just want to share something totally different this morning because God's spoken very clearly, and I, I can't share... The, the word that I've got is, is definitely for the church, but it's just not for this morning, so we park it. I had a really good clip as well, so you'll have to wait for that one. <laughs> but thank you for putting the slide up anyway. Poor guys on the PA desk. They don't have it easy, do they? You guys do a great job, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Genuinely. But if we turn to the book of Habakkuk, and um, the book of Habakkuk was written around 605 BC. And during this time, the Babylonian Empire are taking God's people, Judah, into captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar and, uh, and his, this great empire, if you like, are, are taking over. And Jerusalem is getting trashed. The city of God is getting trashed. The temple is being destroyed and all sorts of things are happening that is, seems to violate God's promises to his people, seems to violate God's plan and intention for his people. And you know, in, the, in our lives at times, we take a snapshot of where we're at, and it seems to be directly opposed to God's promises, God's word, God's plan. But God's promises, God's words, God's plans never fail. They remain the same. They always stay on course. Regardless of what's going on around us, God is faithful. That's what covenant is all about. He's a faithful God. He's a covenant God. He's a God who never gives up, who's stubbornly persistent in his love for us, and will never let his promises fall to the ground. He's faithful. And Habakkuk, whose name means embrace, or to cling, or to cutch, if you're Welsh, maybe, I don't know. But it's to, it's to hang on, it's to hug, it's to grip, to embrace. And you know, in times of difficulty and challenge, we've got options, haven't we? Joe had this option. Either I curse God and die and blame God and move away, which was Job's wonderful wife's counsel to him. 
Thanks. Thanks, lad. Just curse God and die. It'll be for the best of all of us. <laughs> to say, God, I, I don't understand. I don't trust you anymore. I'm off. It's all your fault. Or to draw closer to God and say, I don't understand what's happening, but I do know this. I need you more, now more than ever. To say to God sometimes, Lord, I don't understand why. Are you not seeing what's going on? Do you not recognize? You know, the word that came last week about um, a, a greater headwind coming towards us. There'll be challenges and difficulties and trials. But God says, Jesus says, in this world you'll have trouble, but be of good heart. I've overcome the world. And Habakkuk is here and he's looking at this Babylonian empire that were, had false gods and did all sorts of terrible things in, in God's eyes and in Habakkuk's eyes. And Habakkuk is, is clearly on a journey and he's, he's already been seeing this for some time. And in verse 2 of chapter 1 he says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. You know, on a number of occasions he's, he's saying about what he seems to be seeing. And he's being very transparent with God. He's being very honest with God. God is not afraid. God knows everything anyway, so we should be honest with him. And he says, I'm seeing this. Are you not seeing it, God? He's being totally transparent. He's got this vision, and he has this vision, and he's calling on God. And he's saying, God, look, look what's happening all around us. And God's reply to him is, in verse 5, to this. Look around. Look and be amazed. Habakkuk is looking. He's saying, I'm looking and I'm seeing this. And God says, I want you to look again. And for some of us this morning, Brian talked last week about repositioning ourselves, changing where we are so that we see things in a fresh way. I believe God is saying to us this morning, if all you're seeing is difficulty and hardship and challenge, look again. I had a picture this morning in the prayer meeting that I've already shared with, with someone here this morning. I believe it's for them, but I believe it's for all of us. And it was this this vision of a person looking down. And they could see their feet, they could see the ground. It was scruffy, it was messy, it was uh, shaly, and maybe there was litter there or whatever it was. And they're looking down and they, they, they think, oh, this is, this is not a nice place to stand at all. There's nothing pleasant about this place whatsoever. And the infuriating thing was, I could see beyond their head. And there was this incredible horizon this beach that was beautiful, white sands, and then this incredible ocean that spread out, and an incredible sunset that just filled the horizon. And all I wanted to say to them was, look up! Look again, change your view, change your perspective. You, yes, you might be standing in this situation, but God says that this, look again. Look afresh. Change your view, change your perspective. Begin to see things from my perspective. We've sung about that this morning, about seeing things from where he sees things instead of where we're seeing things. And he goes on to talk about his plans and his purposes and, and how he's using the Babylonian Empire to further his plan and his purpose. And then Habakkuk sort of thinks, okay, God, I'll, I'll give you that. But he comes back with a second complaint. He says, oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, verse 12 of chapter 1, you're eternal. Surely you don't plan to wipe us out. He starts to take his eyes off them, and he starts to look at himself and say, we're on the edge of, of death and doom and destruction here, God. I understand you're seeing what's happening there, but do you not see what's happening to me? Steve shared this morning, don't you see, God, I'm, I'm being sunk, I'm being destroyed. Someone's trying to break me. Do you not see what's happening to me? 
Are we only, verse 14, are we only fish to be caught and killed? Sea creatures that have no leader must we be strung up on their hooks? You know, these prophets are so poetic, aren't they? Such drama kings. Will you let them get away with this forever? But he finishes this statement at the beginning of chapter 2. He's remembered what God has said. God says, look again. And Habakkuk is saying, look at what's happening around. God says, look again. Habakkuk says, look what's happening to me. But he remembers what God says, and he says this, I will look again, God. In fact, I'm really going to reposition myself. In Habakkuk 2, verse 1, everything in this story, in this, this short book, pivots on this one verse. He says, I will climb to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. You know, it's fine for us to vent. It's fine for us to be honest with God. It's fine for us to bring our complaints, our tears, our hardships to him. But God wants us to then wait to hear what he has to say to us. You know, it's like, it's like going, to, going to give your complaint to somebody. It's like going up to the, to the guys at the sound desk and saying, well, it was too loud, my ears are still ringing, uh, the bass was far too overpowering, and I couldn't hear the drums, and, uh, you know, it just, just wasn't good enough, and just walk off, without waiting to hear what the guys have to say. Yeah. And they might say, well, actually, you know what, we, we were asked to make it a bit louder because the, the, the worship leader wanted it to be really consuming, and, and the bass, we felt, really carried something. And, you know, sometimes we just need to wait and hear what God has to say to us, rather than just offload and go. And our prayer life can be so like that, can't it? Well, God, there's this, 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 and this. It's terrible. It's, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's all really bad, and I'm off again. And God says, wait. Don't you want to hear what I have to say? And Habakkuk says this, I will climb. There's something, isn't there, about ascending that helps us change our perspective. We went to Raglan Castle. I uh, went, went down to uh, the Forest of Dean. And... The, the, the view that you get from the bottom of the castle is very different to the view that you have from the highest turret. And all of a sudden, the perspective changes. Everything that seemed big at the bottom now seems really small. Even that six foot eight guy who looked like he was, you know, from the top, you think, I could actually take him. <laughs> I might have to drop something on his head, but I could definitely take him. And the challenges and the difficulties that seem big, all of a sudden we look at them and think, it's just an ant, just small. God wants us to climb. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, way higher than a hill. The maker of heaven and earth, the one who made the hill. That's where I look. I didn't even go to the top of the hill. I go to him. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I change my perspective. I'll climb. And you know how we do that? We worship him. We say, God, I'm taking my focus from my feet and I'm looking at you and I'm looking at what you've done and the incredible things that you've done. I'm raising my vision and I'm lifted. I'm climbing out of where I am. My perspective has changed dramatically and drastically. Not only are things smaller that seem big, but I realize the perspective is so much bigger than that small little patch of earth that I was just standing on. I will climb to my watchtower and stand. <laughs> you know, far too often, and I've been guilty of this, you know, that, that our prayer times are, are, are a snatch three minutes here and, and a, a five minutes there. And, 
And, uh, you know, I spoke in tongues for 15 minutes in the car on my way to work. You know, I'm a very spiritual man. But there's something, isn't there, where we have to learn again. And I'm talking to myself here about standing and staying and waiting. He says, and I will wait to see. God wants us to climb. God wants us to stand. Ephesians 6 says stand. And after you've done everything else, stand. And then when you've done that, stand. Just keep standing. And he says, I will position myself. I will praise. I'll position myself. And I'll wait. I'll persist to see what the Lord says. To see what the Lord says. And how he will answer my complaint. And everything changes because from a man who was once wondering what's going on, looking, or looking down, looking around, thinking what's happening into the world around me, everything's coming in on me, God. Can't you see that we're breaking and being destroyed? God recommissions him and says, I'm not going to make you a victim. I'm going to make you a messenger. I'm going to make you a conqueror. I'm going to give you a message to take out to the world that's going to say, my God is great. My God is awesome. My God is mighty. He says, write an answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry and the messages to others. The vision is for a future time. God wants us to always look forward. It describes the end. It may seem slow in coming. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And he tells him to look again. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by faith. Or the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. And you know what Habakkuk is given a message to give to messengers to take out. And in verse 14 of chapter 2 it says, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of God. You know that's a statement, isn't it, of great promise. It's a statement of this, this incredibly prophetic and powerful and, and ones that we declare, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And we think, wow, what a great message. Whoever brought that must have been on a real high. They must have been going for God. Things must have been great for them. And then you think, it was in Habakkuk. You read chapter one and all of a sudden you see what he's hearing in, in the middle part of the second chapter. You think, wow, God has done something incredible in this man's life. He's seeing something of the glory of God covering the earth. Seeing something of the future, not just the now. Appreciating that God is a God of eternity and God is a God of the earth. And he's got a message to take out that's transforming. And then he goes on to say this. Verse 20 of chapter 2. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. Where is holy temple this morning? The Lord is with us. The Lord, our God, is with us. Simon talked about our home. You know, God has made his home among us. God is here among us this morning by his Holy Spirit. This is his house. Not this. This. Us. God is for us. Who can be against us? The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. And then Habakkuk changes his complaints to a prayer. He says, I've heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. You know, there's such a contrast in Habakkuk's language and Habakkuk's view in, in the beginning of chapter three than there is at the start of chapter one. How long, Lord, must I call for help but you don't listen? 
Now it's, I've heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, you know what? The need hasn't changed. The situation hasn't got brighter. Nothing physically has changed around him. What has happened is that he has changed and been changed in the midst of it. Because he's called on God. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. Not I'm filled with dread by the things of men. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. What a change in perspective. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. Now without wanting to raise any great questioning of what it might be, if you're facing a challenge this morning, it might be for you or it might be for somebody that you care about, if you're facing a challenge and, 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 a, and it's a difficult situation, would you just raise your hand for a moment? If there's a challenge, a genuine challenge. So we're, we're recognizing this morning that not everything is easy, that there are challenges in life. Hands up in here if you've not got your hand up now, but in your life you've had challenges. So we're all in the same boat. Let's go back to Steve Harvey's word. Isn't that, and and there's, there's a strengthening encouraging. You know what? Nobody here said, actually, I've never had any challenges or any troubles because I'm so holy and so saintly that God protects me completely in holy ghost bubble wrap. And I have n- nothing. No one. None of us are like that. None of us are unaffected by the world. None of us are unaffected by difficulties and trials and challenges. In fact, the more I look in the Word, the more I realize that when we're engaged with the things of God, we'll face persecution and challenges and trials. So if you put your hand up and said you hadn't, I'd say, well, I don't think you're following God. But he says, in this time of our deep need, now I'd like you to raise your hand. Have you had challenges in the past and God has been faithful and come through for you? Raise your hand. You faced maybe a challenge of health and sickness. God came through. You faced a need financially. God came through. You were hurt by something. A tragedy came your way. God came through in the midst of it. And Habakkuk is saying, in this time of our deep need, yes, I recognize there's a need, but he says this, help us again as you did in years gone by. He's saying, God, you've helped me before. I know you're going to help me now. God, I've seen your goodness before. I know you're good today. Lord, I know I've faced this challenge before. I know you're going to get me through this and make me victorious in this today. In your anger, remember your mercy. And then this is what he's seeing now. He's not seeing the Babylonians. He's not seeing himself. He says this in verse 3 of chapter 3. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. That's the God we worship. We don't worship an insipid, powerless, worried, nervous, anxious God. We worship a God who's coming in brilliance. Where his awesome power is hidden in his hands. And when he moves, he moves mightily. He's the Lord of the hosts of heaven's armies. This is Jesus. He sees something of the glory and splendor of the King of kings and the Lord of lords moving across the earth. God is great. 
God is with us. Just because you're facing a tough time today, regardless of what it might be, don't ever let it trick you into thinking that God is no longer with you. God is a covenant-making, covenant-keeping, faithful God who is good and his faithful love endures forever. He says, I will, verse 16, this is our response this morning. This is how we've responded, I, I believe, in, in many ways. And it says this, I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who invade us. You know, our enemy isn't, the Bible says, flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. It's spiritual. But there's a very practical implication that spiritual things have a, a, have a physical effect. And, and as I said earlier, nothing has changed for Habakkuk with regards to the context that he finds himself in. Because every time, and I've read this on a Sunday not that long ago, but verse 17, listen to this. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, that's the bit that Holly didn't read wisely before we came to worship this morning because the emphasis was rightly on God this morning, not on the challenges. But I believe it's right to come back and say, Habakkuk is looking at a situation that is dire. Dire if you're a grape, dire if you're a cow, and dire if you're a farmer or a winemaker or anybody else that's interested in surviving. Everything looks dire. But this is where the yet comes in. This is where the yet comes in. And we've got to be people who say yet all the time. That that's something that we we put in after an an acknowledgement of the facts. Don't stop with that. Carry on with the yet. And go from there. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Do you think it was easy for Habakkuk to rejoice? I don't. I don't think he had much food to give him energy. I think he might have been a bit thirsty because there wasn't much to drink around. I think he probably didn't have a huge amount of money to to, to wear nice clothes to go and, and celebrate. But he says this, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord regardless of what's happening around me physically. I'm going to be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. You know what he's saying? Figs aren't my strength. Grapes aren't my strength. Crops aren't my strength. Cows aren't my strength. None of these things are my strength. God, you're my strength. And you make me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. You know what? Habakkuk isn't living down anymore. He's living a life that's up. We only need to know how to tread on the heights when we're up in the heights. We've got Andy and Vaughan and some of the other guys who treaded the heights of Snowdonia last week. These sure-footed deer of men. But you know what? That's where we need to be sure-footed when we're on the heights. That's where God wants us to live and exist and see where we belong. It's in the heights. To be at home in the heights. To be comfortable in the presence of God. To be comfortable seeing things from God's perspective. Not because we're aloof or we're untouched, but because we know that there's a yet that we have a God who's faithful, a covenant-making, covenant-keeping, faithful God. And I want to encourage us this morning. God wants us to be mature and to be secure. 
I do, I do just want to, to do this for a second. Um, I'm moving my whiteboard out. I think sometimes this is what it's like for God trying to direct us. This whiteboard has got a mind of its own. Just wanted to just mention something about covenant this morning. Try not to blank out Chris and Joe over there. But when we talk about covenant, we've talked about covenant a lot, haven't we, so far? Ultimately, God's interest, God's desire with us and for us is relationship. It's relationship. That's what God is interested in. By covenanting himself to us, God is bringing us into a relationship with himself. Not that he's our boss, although he is, but ultimately that he's our father. This is the heart of covenant. Simon talked this morning about family and home. God says, I want you to be my people and I want to be your God. That you will be my people and I will be your God. That has always been God's heart. The heart of a father. He loves you this morning. You know, Steve talked about how he felt about seeing his bow challenges. If you parents in the room and you see your children go through challenging situations, it's hard, isn't it? It's difficult. We want to try and protect them from everything. Just recently, we, we let Isaac go and play with his friends for an hour, and it was like, it killed me. Because I couldn't control it, and I couldn't protect him. But actually, there's a sense of that God is a father to us, and, and he wants us to relate to him as a father. And out of that, he wants us to find our identity. This morning, we are sons of God. That's what it says in Romans 8. I might even be God ringing us to confirm, I don't know. But we are sons of God. And our identity is in Christ. And from our identity, he wants us there. And as Simon talked about this morning, to live in obedience. That as sons of God, we live in obedience to God's will and God's desire. Far too often, we skip the identity bit and we go from father to obedience. And you know what? That's the wrong motive. God wants us to obey out of our identity as sons of God. You see, the thing is, when I know that God loves me and I'm secure in his love, then I'll obey him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. That's the difference between control and care. We try and control people, it's fear. We try and use fear to to punish, to keep everybody in line. Where God says, no, I just want you to live in a way that pleases me because you're my son and you love me. I don't want you to be scared of punishment. I want you to be interested in pleasing me. And it's from that that we obey God. And this morning, God wants us to understand that our identity is in him. That we're safe and secure in him this morning. That as sons, we are to live on the heights. That we're to live knowing God's word. Live knowing the truth of who we are. That we find complete security in that. Complete maturity comes from that. So that we're able to love the way that God loves. That same covenant love. I'm going to ask the, the singers and musicians to come back. And um, I guess my message this morning is, I, I recognize it may be a bit all over the place, but just feel like I need, we needed to respond to what God has said so clearly to us this morning. And as somebody who has a, a large 
pastoral responsibility or I'm aware of challenges looking around that are going on in the room, real genuine difficulties and challenges. And you know, maybe this morning that those things have been the focus and I'm not here to, to condemn you for that. But I'm saying this is an opportunity again to refocus as we worship, just for a short time together because I don't believe it needs to take, take long over this. But I just saw us standing and really lifting our vision this morning. And regardless of where your feet are and what you seem to be in the midst of this morning, let's lift our eyes to him this morning. Can we stand together, please? Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.